Welcome to the Mike Smith Show podcast. This is your one-stop shop for all the latest happenings in BC. From breaking news and developing stories to giving the big headlines a closer look, the Mike Smith Show is here to keep you dialed in and up to date. Let's begin. We start with the housing crunch in British Columbia across Canada. This is top of mind for many people here as the new year begins. Every single level of government, every political party, every politician, they're all promising to fix this. Prices are unaffordable. We've got more people arriving to Metro Vancouver than we can build housing for them. We need to build more stuff. We need to build more housing. The outlook is not encouraging. We've got Ron Butler standing by to discuss. Now, first, have a listen here to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. He was in Vancouver late last year, promising more housing, uh, more affordable housing. But he also warned this is really difficult problem here that he's facing. Have a listen. Anyone promising a simple, easy fix to the housing crisis is trying to push something politically that isn't true. This is a complex situation. It's going to require many, many different measures. Who do you think he was talking about there? Where people are pushing easy solutions. You know he's pointing a finger at Pierre Pauly of leading the polls here for the Conservative Party who's also promising to fix this. Everyone is promising to fix this. Now, let's discuss it now with my guest Ron Butler. Ron is a mortgage broker, butlermortgage.ca and I'm always grateful for his time. Ron, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Mike. Okay, when you listen to Justin Trudeau there and he says, look, oh, this is a big problem here. This is not going to be easy to fix. Don't listen to anyone who's saying that there's a quick solution to this. Is he right? Is it really difficult thing to, to, uh, to fix? Well, it isn't easy, but saying yeah. it is phenomenally difficult is a version of surrender. So surrender doesn't work. We're way yeah. past the surrender. We're way past that. We can't say it's too complicated. Nobody can figure it out. We have to find ways to manage this problem. In in British Columbia, Dave Eby is finding some ways. There are things he's done that is not being done across Canada. So I guess that puts the lie to the idea that it's too complex for anybody to handle. Okay, well, I'm watching the EB government very closely on this file, and we'll see if some of these measures work. But what jumps out at you when you take a look at the provincial government here in BC, Ron, Premier David Eby, what do you like about what he's doing? Put the stake through the heart of short-term rental Airbnb. Just put the stake through the heart of it. Let's end that. You know, these are essentially illegal hotel rooms. No matter how many much people want to twist it into something else, that's what it really is. So we've got people maximizing returns on a short-term rental when that could be turned into a long-term rental. Now, they don't like it because it's not as profitable, so they better sell. Sell it to an end user. Sell it to somebody who's going to live in it. Sell it to somebody who's going to have a full-time um, occupant for year round. Oh, and how about the upzoning? The upzoning will work. Having multiple dwellings on a single large lot will work. I'm not saying that it's not going to become a legal quagmire in Shaughnessy. It probably will. But <laughs> the idea is solid. I mean, there's two really solid ideas there. If it went, if it came to Ontario, it's sort of growing in Quebec as well. But these are real ideas. To say that it's just so complex is a form of surrender. Yeah. Yeah. And that forced densification, the upzoning, as you described it there, you could build up to six, maybe even in some cases, eight homes on a single family lot. So basically, you'd have these sort of low rise 
condos being built in in single family neighborhoods yeah you know you might have some angry neighbors about that you are already seeing some local municipal government saying whoa 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 don't force us to do this we know what we're doing here with community planning and housing now the provincial government wants to force us to do it here's the thing i'm watching for ron for your thoughts like is david eb and his government serious about forcing this through because they brought in a law that gives them the authority to overrule municipal governments here, force them to densify. And I wonder if they've got the jam, they've got the political courage to do that. What do you think? Well, you've just described the central problem that we face. You know, there's too much theater. Uh, you know, I, I can't say whether EB will enforce it. I can't say whether it's going to be a, a sure thing that we're going to see it happen, that he's going to override municipalities, he's going to push his stuff through. You and I don't know that yet. But it is symptomatic that all of a sudden, as soon as something that everybody thought, oh, yeah, this is probably a good idea, as soon as it becomes reality, we instantly have municipal governments pushing back. That yeah. tells me, that's a clue. That's a clue in my mind that we should figure out who are the people that are really causing this problem. Because what in the world is the problem with that kind of limited density? Let's say it's not an eightplex. Let's say it's not a, a, a sort of a small condo building. Let's say it's a fourplex. Okay, what's yeah. wrong with that? What is wrong with that? I mean, I just don't get it. Park, well, Carmageddon is one problem that's been raised. Where is everyone going to park? What do you think of that complaint? <clears throat> well, uh, we, we're in uh, we're in a situation in both Vancouver, Toronto, and and eventually it'll it'll spread where they're building condominium buildings, they're building strata buildings with no parking at all. So yeah. That tells us something. I mean, you know, the, the emphasis is then good, got to go on to mass transit. We got to do a better job on transit because every municipality and province does a terrible job on transit. Awful. Like half the time, the stuff doesn't even work properly. So, you know, we got to look inside. Again, there are solutions, but if we don't execute well, if we can't, hey, we got to start firing people who can't actually do things. You know, like mm -hmm. if so, well, it's, it's too hard to figure out this zoning. It's too, well, then you got to go. We got to find somebody mm -hmm. who says, yes, I will make this happen. Yeah. The key has got to be execution. Speaking of Ron Butler, butlermortgage.ca, when you take a look at the outlook for 2024, Ron, and the number of housing starts, we need more stuff, right? Like we need to build more housing. The population is growing. They've got to, people have to live somewhere. We need to build more. What is the outlook? Because it's not, it's not encouraging, right? The outlook's terrible. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you the very simple reason why because builders developers finance because it's it's a long time before you between when you put the backhoe on the ground and when you finally have people move in some in the case of a strata building it's years in the case of uh, a townhouse complex it could be two years so it's time so those developers those builders have to finance that process and if we go back just literally just two years two and a half years ago that cost 2.45%. That's where Prime was. 2.45%. Today yeah. it's 7.2. Yeah. None of the numbers work. You can't do it profitably. It's too massive an increase because it's not like the land cost has fallen. The raw land cost has not fallen. It's not like construction costs have fallen. Yeah. It wasn't the crazy lumber prices of COVID, but it's all still gone up. Inflation is real. So if that's true and we have 7.2 prime rate versus 2.45, you, you just can't make the deals profitable and you're just yeah. not going to build. You're going to pause everything.
Hey, Ron, last question for you. Are you buying what Pierre Polyev is saying here? Because the conservative leader leading in the polls here right now across Canada, he says the problem is government. If government could just get out of the way, they're overspending. So if we if we rein in spending, we'll reduce interest and lower inflation. That's the solution here. Government, get out of the way. Just let private sector build more housing. Let me play a clip here for you. And listen to what he says here. So this is Polyev on housing going directly after Trudeau here. Let's listen, then I'll get your thoughts. I'm basically proposing to do the exact opposite of everything he's done on this file. To balance the budget and bring down interest rates on mortgages. To remove the massive bureaucracies you've built up so that housing construction can go ahead. To sell off thousands of acres of land and thousands of federal buildings to build, build, build. Ron, is it that simple? That's an oversimplification. So here's what we know. The bureaucracy to get houses built is at the provincial and municipal levels. So I don't think Pierre Polyev can fire people who are working for the city of Vancouver or the city of Abbotsford or anybody in the province. But is he fundamentally correct theoretically? Yes. We have so many people looking at so many permits, doing so many inspections, reviewing so many studies, and we've invented like five different studies that didn't exist 25 years ago, you have to do to just to think about developing something. So is there massive bureaucracy in municipalities and provinces? 100% yes, there is. Can he fire them? No, he's a different level of government. Ron, thank you for coming on with your thoughts on this today. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Right. Here we go now with sky high CEO salaries in Canada. The annual list is just out. CEO salaries are way up. They are at record highs. Number one on the list this year is J. Patrick Doyle. CEO, Restaurant Brands International. They own Tim Hortons, Burger King, and Popeye's Chicken. Making a whopper of a salary here. million. Wow. That is number one by a long shot. Number two on the list in Canada, Matthew Proud. He is the CEO of Die and Durham. That is a corporate uh, software company, and he made a shade under $100 million. So a big gap between number one and number two. Here is the question for, oh, also, by the way, grocery store tycoon Galen Weston. Yes, he made the list. $11.8 million. He can certainly afford the prices in his grocery stores. Here is the question for you now. Is this a problem? Does it make you angry? to see the people at the top making so much money. Isn't that the way the world just goes around? Or should the government do something about it? Should government step in, maybe hike the taxes on the top wage earners in Canada? I'm going to discuss all that here with my guest, Gavin McGarrigal, standing by. First, have a listen to this report. This is Global News reporter Ann Gaviola. Top CEOs make more than $7,100 an hour. It takes a little more than eight hours for them to make $60,600, the average annual pay. That's nearly 250 times what the average rank-and-file worker makes. The pay gap between everyday people and CEOs has continued to widen since the 80s. Okay, so these CEOs, the average CEO on this list here, makes more in less than a day than the average person, the other average worker in Canada makes all year long. Let's discuss it with my guest, Gavin McGarrigal, Western Regional Director at Unifor. That's one of the biggest private sector unions in Canada. Gavin, thanks for coming on. 
Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. Okay, Gavin, what do you think of this now? Like, this list comes out every year. It gets a lot of attention. It's really interesting to go down this list and see how much of these uh, big corporate fat cats, how much they're raking in, man. They make a lot of money. But, I mean, does this surprise anybody? I mean, isn't that the way the world goes around? What do you think? Well, I think the mood right now is it's obscene. It's always been obscene uh, that workers aren't rewarded in a, a recent, uh, a, a relative proportion to the CEO pay, and they've just continued to reward themselves. You know, they protected themselves against the impact of COVID, uh, but there's no protection against inflation. So regular Canadians are trying to make ends meet. You see grocery store workers uh, on the picket lines. Uh, you see people fighting back all over the place. And I think the public is just tired of this. And I think we're in a new era where people are saying enough is enough and they want to see uh, some accountability on these CEOs who seem to reward themselves no matter what, whether a company does good or bad, and uh, certainly not in proportion to what the workers are paid. Well, can't the shareholders of these companies pipe up about it if, they, if, they don't, if they're not happy? Like if some of these CEOs are making big bucks and maybe the company's not doing great, I mean, they could go to a shareholders meeting and complain, couldn't they? Isn't that the accountability? Well, this is like the, you know, people patting each other on the back and that's how uh, CEO pay gets up as they compare each other to each other all the time. Uh, and, you know, instead of actual performance, we see shareholder revolt, revolts in many areas about performance, about about pay, uh, but the structure is stacked against them. Well, I think what's changed dramatically is that the customers and the clientele and the general mood of society and even policymakers are saying enough is enough. We're seeing much more aggressive calls for uh, things like a wealth tax in the United States. And, and even up here, uh, we see the polls uh, off the charts for people saying, you know, if you're making more than $10 million a year, maybe you could pay a little bit more tax. Uh, I don't think that's a crazy concept. And I think that's where the mood is going now. Okay, I'm interested in talking to you a little bit more about that. Let me play a clip here for you, Gavin, get your thoughts. Now, we talked about this topic on yesterday's show. I interviewed Margareta Dovgal. She is a public policy analyst and she is not concerned about these big paychecks for CEOs. She just thinks that's the nature of a free market system. Here's what she had to say to me yesterday, and I'll get your thoughts. I think in a general sense, capitalism is an imperfect system, but as far as everyone's been able to tell, uh, it's probably the best system we've developed. Uh, it tries to distribute benefits and fundamentally preserves freedom and choice. Okay, so she says capitalism isn't perfect, but it's the best system we've got. I, I don't think you're talking about dismantling capitalism as a system, or maybe you are. I mean, what do you think about what she said? Well, I mean, I think those comments are like basic uh, economics uh, in grade 11 that, you know, with a bunch <laughs> of sort of tired, uh, rehearsed lines that just don't make any sense. Uh, the facts are clear uh, in front of people is, is that workers are needing to catch up with inflation they need to do things like buy a house uh you know be able to get transportation raise their kids and ceos are just running away with it and people are tired of that so nobody's talking about dismantling the system unifor represents over 315,000 members across uh, across the country we're talking about trying to make sure that workers get a fair share of the pie uh, that workers in non-union areas like amazon where we're currently mm. trying to organize here in British Columbia, uh, are able to negotiate a collective agreement, and people are able to actually talk about things like pensions and benefits, things that, you know, all those same kind of commentators told us 10 or 15 years ago, forget about it, that's all over. And I think in 2023, we saw a very big shift 
uh, with workers standing up and fighting back uh, everywhere. And we saw remarkable gains in wages, in pensions, in job security, in transition to new industries. Uh, and it certainly isn't by rewarding CEOs that all that happened. It's because regular people have had enough. Speaking to Gavin McGarrigal from the, the Unifor Union, talking about CEO salaries in Canada. Okay, Gavin, you talked about the case for a wealth tax or maybe increase income taxes on these high wage earners. I asked my guest yesterday about that precise topic, Margareta Dovgal. Here's what she had to say to me yesterday, then I'll get your thoughts. Taking away from those that have earned it, which is, I think, ultimately what... Um, Folks who like to focus on this issue are leaning towards, I don't think that's a fair or reasonable uh, suggestion to make. And if it comes from a place of envy, that's not good public policy. Okay, so putting taxes on these high wage earners because of envy is not a good, good public policy. Why do you think it's a good public policy? Well, again, those comments are like a grade 10 uh, conservative debating club that, again, just don't make any sense. You know, if you introduced a bracketed wealth tax, this report says, uh, starting with those who have over $10 million in wealth, uh, you could make over $30 billion a year. And that's, as I said, low compared to what American politicians are advocating for. This isn't about envy. This is about fairness. This is about distribution of wealth. This is about a productive society. Uh, you see, for instance, in the Scandinavian countries and, and in many other countries that where they distribute wealth uh, better, where workers get a fair sh share of the pie, you actually have a stronger economy overall. So, you know, people, again, see through these sort of tired old talking points. It's very clear when Galen Weston is making out, uh, you know, like a bandit in terms of compensation, when the head of uh, Tim Hortons and Burger Kings and all that is top of the list, um, you know, people are saying enough. I'll tell you who's not top of the list. The workers at Burger King and Taco Bell and Wendy's and KFC and all those other places where they desperately need uh, better wages and stronger uh, union representation as well. Okay, doesn't Canada already have like a high marginal tax rate compared to other countries? Like I'm just doing some quick, I'm, I'm taking a look at uh, worldpopulationreview.com that has the top 10 list here in Canada, not in the top 10 for high, highest marginal tax rate. But where does Canada rank? And you think you think the tax rate is too low at the top, correct? Yeah, I mean, the, the current marginal rates are just over 50% in the large provinces. And that's actually low historically. You know, in the post-war years, um, top marginal income tax brackets stood uh, within the 70% range. There's also the capital gains, uh, the, the discount that you get on capital gains. You know, a buck is a buck. Uh, I think workers would be surprised to know that the money that they earn on their paycheck is taxed at 100%. Uh, but if you get stock bonuses or stock options and you sell money that way, that's only taxed at 50%. So I think we need to have a discussion about what is a fair way to make sure that you're still getting investment and still prompting economy and jobs, but also saying, you know what, a buck is a buck. We're all the same. Let's figure out fair ways to do growth uh, by not uh, rewarding and, by the way, perpetuating uh, on a historical basis uh, the inequality that's out there. The richest 87 families in Canada hold more wealth uh, than the bottom 12 million Canadians. And, of course, many of mm. those richest Canadians are also on that top paid CEO list. So that continues mm. year after year, generation after generation. And clearly uh, this report from the CCPA points out that it's actually doubled since 2008 the CEO, CEO pay has doubled since then so oh, okay uh, yeah it, it something oh. needs to change Gavin last question for you speaking of growth okay so if you start to hammer top income earners with much higher taxes do you not risk 
the potential for a brain drain or a flight of talent from Canada that will result in less growth or flattened growth in the economy and then everybody gets hurt. What do you say to that argument? Well, I think even a lot of, uh, you know, conservative commentators would point out that Canada does have problems with growth and productivity, but I don't think they have anything to do uh, with the pay of the workers uh, or uh, can be solely placed on CEO uh, pay. What we need to see is investment and innovation and, you know, actual R&D. And of course, paying workers uh, good wages makes uh, a difference on that. Uh, you know, if you're fundamental corporate philosophy is so skewed that you need to make hundreds and hundreds of times your lowest workers there's something wrong with your philosophy so we do need more okay. growth but these policies won't uh, won't have an impact on it gavin thank you for coming on today yeah thanks again mike have you ever noticed that some people just seem better at seizing opportunities do they know something the rest of us don't when it comes to their loyalty program, they choose Aeroplan. Only Aeroplan brings you distinction. Get the recognition you deserve. Aeroplan, welcome to the club. Hey, <laughs> remember that ad? That's a bit of a vintage Aeroplan ad. I thought, remember seeing that commercial back in the day and thinking like, ooh, man, I got to get myself an Aeroplan credit card. I want to be in the club. I want to be in the distinction ranks here. With Aeroplan. So I've got an Aeroplan credit card. I get Aeroplan points on my credit card purchases. I do find it somewhat inflexible, though, because Aeroplan, anytime I try to use my Aeroplan points, and I'll try to use them when I can't, but it always seems like the flights I want, they want to jack up the number of points. So it's always the most popular and times for a flight or the most direct flight that you want. Always they want to soak you for more points. I've also got another travel card. It's a MasterCard. And this one is more flexible, though. You can collect points on that one, and you can basically exchange the points for any travel expenses that you have. I find that one a little bit more flexible for sure. Okay, what are the best cards here? What are the best customer loyalty programs here, especially collecting points on your card. There's also cashback cards as well. The brand new list is just out. Patrick Soika is my guest. He's with Rewards Canada. It is Canada's largest loyalty rewards website. It features tips, tricks, and bonuses to maximize your customer loyalty points. Patrick, thanks for coming on. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on your show again. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for coming on to, to do this. So this is always an interesting list that you put out. It's been going strong here for 16 years now with this annual list. So congratulations on that. So let's talk about what's number one, keeping everyone in suspense here. What's number one for the travel, the overall travel rewards card? What's your number one card? Yeah, so the number one card there is the American Express Cobalt card. It's been top spot since it was released back in um, 2017, so seven years now. Uh, with this year's rankings, it is um, just an unmatched card, and that's because it, it earns tons of points, and it's very flexible in its rewards. You get to combine, you know, strong points earning and very flexible rewards. You were talking about Aeroplan or the Flex, you know, being a separate program or, you know, using a credit card where you can use your points towards any travel. The Cobalt card gives you both of those because you can convert the points to Aeroplan. You can use it for any travel you book yourself, um, and you can even convert to like British Airways to Air France. So it just it just gives you the utmost options, 
but it also gives you a cash back option, which is uh, one of the best in Canada. It's one to five points that you earn on this card gives you 1% to 5% cash back. There's very few cards out there that give you 5% cash back. And you can do that with this card in, in the way that they basically, you redeem a thousand points for a $10 statement credit. So it just gives you the best of everything in this one card. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. American Express Cobalt card is the, is the name of that card. Uh, yes. I used to have an American Express card, and I, I found it frustrating because sometimes you'd go into a, a store or a, or a place, and they wouldn't accept American Express, but I wonder if that's changed. Um, it has. It, it definitely is still, it still arises, um, but they're... Yeah. they're you know, the last, the last thing American Express told me, they're they're roughly close to about ninety percent of retailers accept American Express cards. Um, the big ones, of course, are, are Costco, which don't. But I mean, Costco is only Mastercards. You can't even use a Visa at Costco. Um, and mm. then like lost law stores, like out west here, we have Real Canadian Superstore. Um, they don't accept American Express, but most other places do. You know, Save On Foods, Sobeys, Co-op, uh, all the gas stations do. Um, all the major restaurant chains do. It's more kind of your your niche mom and pop shops, but even those have been shifting because of all the new um, point of sale systems like uh, Stripe and all that. Um, those retailers get the best deals by accepting all three types of cards. Yeah. So you, yeah, we're finding more and more. Yeah, but yeah, that's something we do. We do take that into account, and we tell you know we tell people you know what the Cobalt card may not be the right one for you if you are a big time Loblaws grocery shopper, then yeah, the Cobalt card is probably not the right one for you. There's other cards out there that are, will do better for groceries and are super flexible in in terms of like travel rewards. And and that's something like um, the MBNA Rewards Worldly MasterCard, which we rank as fourth overall. You know, that one, it's a MasterCard, so you can use it at Loblaw stores. And at Loblaw stores, it earns up to 5.5 points, or that's 5.5% towards any travel. So th there's a lot of good options there. And that's kind of why in our rankings, we, we list the top five in each category, because we know there are people who, they only shop at Costco. <laughs> you only yeah. want a MasterCard. Or yeah, it's like, you know what, I do shop at Save on Food, so I will go with an American Express. So that's why we kind of give them the options. And I've, I've said this, you know, even before I launched these rankings, or I mean, I launched the rankings 16 years ago, but before I started ranking an overall top card, we used to say there's no one best card out there. And and technically speaking, that's that's the truth. There is no one best card out there. But so we kind of just, you know, try and look at the general population, everybody, and pick what we think are the best ones. But for you, it may not be. Okay, so that American Express Cobalt card, it's interesting. Like, that's your number one there in this in this particular category. Is there an yeah. annual fee with that card? Yeah, actually, that one has a monthly fee. It's twelve ninety nine a month, so about one hundred fifty five a year. So it's one of the a little bit higher in terms of the premium cards. Um, but again, the the value you get back from the points compared to other cards yeah. that may only be earning one or two points uh, easily pays for that difference. Because a lot of the cards now are, I mean, most cards in Canada that have fees are in the hundred twenty to hundred fifty dollar range. So this one's just outside of that at one fifty five. So it's not far off, but you're getting, like I said, a lot of value and, and a, a lot of, like I said, just flexibility in the card. You basically have every reward option under the, you know, under the sun with this card yeah yeah the annual fee i know a lot of cards will charge you that annual fee the two credit cards that i have i see that fee on my statement every year and i always yeah. think like oh man they burned me for that fee again but then i remember that you know you're racking up those points too and you're getting some of it back what about some credit cards have no fee though right that's right yeah so like there's no fee cards so like um in our say in our cash back rankings the top no fee, no fee cashback card is like the Rogers World Elite MasterCard. So there's no annual fee with that. And people might be thinking, Rogers, like, well, why, why is it the best cashback card? 
And the thing is, Rogers has gone into the financial space and you get a card like this card, it's actually cash back rewards. It's not towards just Rogers purchases. And I think that's what Rogers is trying to, to let people know is that, you know what, this is a cash back card. This isn't, uh, you know, a specific to Rogers type card. So that's our number one no fee cash back card because it earns one and a half percent cash back on every purchase. Um, super easy to earn. And like I said, there's no annual fee with that. And there are travel yeah. rewards have no annual fees yeah so these are all in our rankings we you know we've gone through the whole gamut you know canada has over i mean we're oversaturated i'll be honest with that we have over 200 rewards credit card options in canada wow. um <laughs> so so the market is oversaturated so we we kind of use these rankings to help guide you and that's why you know if you take all of our categories five in each you know we kind of narrowed it down to about 50 of the best cards out of those 200 plus um yeah so that is just a guide and then you just do your research you look at you can look at our other articles look at other websites you know talk to your bank and all that and figure out what works best for you okay how about an aeroplan card now i've got an an aeroplan visa card and like i said i've i get my i sort of get annoyed sometimes at aeroplan when i'm trying to redeem points and they're trying to soak you for all those extra points for the flight you want that kind of bugs me sometimes but I, you know, I still got an Aeroplan credit card, and I fly Air Canada like everybody does. If you're flying, Air Canada is usual and a typical option for you. What about is there a is there an Aeroplan credit card you recommend? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, their primary one is the TD Aeroplan Visa Infinite card. It's the one we rank number two overall, and we also rank it as the number one airline card in Canada. And yeah, I mean, right. it, it's it's a great card, and it's not just for the points earning. A lot of people are now getting this card because it simply it pays for your first check bag. When you when you fly mm. with Air Canada, for you and up to eight people on the same reservation, and with check bag fees now starting at thirty dollars a person, you know if you're a family of four, that's one hundred twenty dollars one way, two hundred forty dollars round trip. This card costs one hundred, I think, one hundred thirty nine dollars a year. Um, so right away you're having savings just for you know you were talking about annual fees and you get hit for that. And I like to tell people it's like look at what the additional benefits the card provides for that annual fee, whether it's insurance, like almost. So many of these cards provide uh, car rental insurance, right? You don't have to pay the CDW. And that that with rental companies is $20, $30 a day. So there's a lot of savings that can be provided by, uh, from these cards beyond the points that you're earning. But yeah, the Aero, top Aeroplan card is the TD Aeroplan Visa Infinite card. It gives you discounted pricing. I know you said that sometimes they want to ask you for more pricing. Yeah. Um, the key with Aeroplan or any frequent flyer program, so whether it's British Airways, Executive Club, Alaska Airlines, Myers Plan, is flexibility. If you want, if you have specific dates you need to fly during spring break, it's going to be tough to find rewards at the lowest price. Unfortunately, that's unfortunately that's how the frequent flyer programs work. So that's why cards, like I was saying, like the Cobalt card, um, Scotia Passport Infinite, MBNA rewards have have taken off and been so popular is because they just give you the flexibility because it's basically like a cash back rewards towards your travel, and, okay. and you can you can pick the flights you want. Okay, the time always flies by when, when I'm discussing this stuff with you. Let me ask you one more question. Yes. You know, your website is really interesting. I encourage people to check it out because there's a lot of really good info on there. Um, what would you say, if someone was to ask you, what is the number one customer loyalty program that everybody should have? Like, what would be your number one program that every, the points that people should definitely collect? What would you say is your number one? I have to go. I have to say, uh, going back to American Express membership rewards because with membership right. rewards you have all that flexibility for different travel. You can convert to Air Canada Aeroplan. Like Aero, I, I rank Air Canada Aeroplan as our number two actual loyalty program in Canada. Yep. And the reason why Amex goes above is because you can convert it to Aeroplan, but you have all those other options. And then you can convert to British Airways Executive Club. You can convert to Air France KLM, Delta SkyMiles. 
Marriott Bonvoy for hotels. So it's just it just gives you so many great options. And I know people come back to me, and, and you even mentioned about Amex availability or like yeah. acceptance. Um, what I tell people is if, if you really want to make the most of reward programs, you need to have more than one credit card. Get yourself a Visa, a MasterCard, an Amex. And if you don't like paying annual fees, just have one as a primary card, like an annual fee, and the other two can be no fee cards, but that can, can be back up to where Amex isn't accepted. Okay, that was some good advice there, Patrick. Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Mike Smith Show podcast. Can't wait for the latest episode to drop. Tune into the show live from 9 to noon on 980 CKNW. Want to reach out to me personally with a question or comment? Send me an email, mike at cknw.com. Thanks again for listening.